climate change lobbyists and the recent COVID medical experts often spout that, quote, we are at a tipping point to provide an image that we're at on the edge of a cliff contemplating a great leap forward. The definition of a tipping point is that once we're past some threshold, the situation becomes to feed on itself and spiral out of control. In artificial intelligence, as opposed to real stupidity, commentators such as Ray Kurzweil talk of a technological singularity where the pace of technological change is so rapid that humans will fall behind a future skynet with Armageddon consequences. Nothing like a positive outlook on humanity. The most famous tipping point in finance came when in 2008 banks stopped lending to each other, even overnight. The investment in short-term debt is called commercial paper and turns over trillions a day. Money markets, is another name for it, are the oil to the engine of finance and rely on the concept that credit of the borrower is low. The disruption in money markets came about in 2009 when investors put their hands up and declared that they had no idea what was going on. I am out, as they say in Dragon's Den. So how did this happen when the drama was following the subprime mortgage market? The answer lies in a combination of two concepts we have already covered. First, the act of securitization in the bubble bath and shorting correlation, plus the stack and roll strategy in let's stack and roll like we did last summer. Securitization works when the arranger, usually the banks, brings together investors with different risk profiles to purchase tranches that range from double B minus up to AAA. The largest tranche happens to be the AAA that represents up to 70% of the cash invested. Banks will get stuck with unsold tranches. For the middle tranches, they will stick them into another securitization and sell off the tranches again. Since the AAA or super senior yields are low, this turbo yield boosting strategy would not work. So the banks resorted to leveraging. The, bank, the banks created funds that held these AAA tranches. For every dollar invested in the fund equity, the fund manager would borrow $50 in the form of commercial paper. But don't worry. The magic of this arrangement is that money market investors loved the additional yields they could get from a fund that holds AAA paper. The massive leverage akin to a 98% mortgage without the house somehow was not a consideration. The stack and roll strategy comes from the need for the funds to issue new commercial paper every 60 days against illiquid investments that go out five years. When the subprime market went south, the value of the AAA assets started to move down a bit. Not a lot, but when you're holding equity units in the fund, a 1% drop gets amplified 50 times. Such are the joys of leverage. A 2% drop made the fund technically insolvent. The fund then struggled to roll their debt as investors started to wonder why it all smelled like a steaming turd. The fund, fund equity holders were wiped out, but the fund manager invoked a legal clause that I covered in another topic in, quote, let's just multiply, multiply the probability and get a conviction that introduces conditional probability. The banks set up these funds to park these assets, to get them off their, their balance sheets. To achieve this trickery, they included a conditional backstop clause, 
where the banks underwrote the fund's debt issuance. The funds invoked this clause, and the banks bought not the debt, but the assets back onto their balance sheet. Investors in the bank's commercial paper were stunned, unimpressed, and wondered what other contingent liabilities the banks had. The answer was substantial. When faced with such uncertainty, the investors went on strike, and the whole financial system went into cardio. Between 2007 and 2009, the banks lost $1 trillion, holding what was supposed to be rock-solid investments. The regulators were also unimpressed and imposed an additional $400 billion in fines. Not so smart, after all, were we? 